Pat's here. I think he, I can see him. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Excellent. All right. Look, I tell you what, Vanessa, with the good, with his good looks, his talent and his, uh, mic ability, I'm going to prophesize that this will be our best show ever. (laughs) I am. It's, it's, uh, tall tale, but I think, I think it can be done. How are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic as always, especially with all the flattery you throw my way, which, uh, you know, maybe might not all be deserved, but I do want to bring my very best to your show, to your listeners. And at the very least, I want it to be entertaining. And at the very most, I hope it'll be enlightening for everybody as well. Um, Speaking about enlightening, why are you the harbinger of truth? Uh, It's pretty simple because I speak the uncomfortable truth. I want to bring reality back to wrestling because let's face it, we're living in a world where there's a lot going on, but you wouldn't be able to tell that watching wrestling on TV, seeing everyone going around with a smile on their face because, you know, suddenly they can uh, pay all their bills and they're having a great time. Not like all of us who are struggling here in Canada, uh, especially through COVID right now, uh, where, you know, myself here in Montreal, we're in the only red zone in North America. We got a curfew in place at eight o'clock. Uh, there's a lot of harshness in this world and people are just afraid to speak the truth because, I don't know, they're scared of being blackballed. They're scared of being canceled. Uh, you know, I don't know the meaning of the word fear, uh, but I do know the meaning of the truth and common sense. And so I'm not going to insult anyone's intelligence whenever I get the chance to be on a platform much like tonight. Uh, people want to hear the truth, and I'm always going to pride myself on being the one that gives it to them, even if it might not be all that comfortable and all that happy. I couldn't have said it better myself than that right there. And and I love the fact that you do speak the uncomfortable truth. And um, I I really got to speak to a lot of wrestlers up in Canada since this pandemic. Um, Vanessa, who helps me out now, she's up in, in Ontario and I never knew a couple things. I never knew one, how much talent was up there. And then two, I never knew how challenging and difficult it is for the independent wrestler in Canada to come over here to an independent and just do a show. And I, I didn't know that until talking to people and uh i've heard you in some past uh interviews and podcasts and you you go in on that man it is it's challenging and it needs to change yeah it absolutely does and i mean it's really just a case of common sense uh there for the longest time has been this huge level of systemic ignorance i like to call it uh throughout a lot of the major companies in the united states let's face it it's not going to be in canada that you're going to make your living in the professional wrestling business Uh, simply because none of the top companies are located here. Uh, We're not even like Mexico, where you have companies like CMLL and AAA, where people can work there and, you know, by the living standards in their country, are able to make a good living for themselves and their families. Here, the only way for someone to be successful in the wrestling business, to make their living doing it at a comfortable level, is to get signed by a major company. Unfortunately, we have the huge roadblock of the border standing in front of us, and we don't have that same equal playing field. Why I say that it's a systemic ignorance is because I feel a lot of these companies, they think that just because they don't see Canadians in the top independent companies and the PWGs, the GCWs, the CZWs, all those companies, they think that it's because, well, we're not good enough to be booked there. But I mean, I can tell you firsthand, in my case, I've had to turn down tons of bookings in the United States because it's a risk crossing the border. We can't legally do that. And, and doesn't it just sound so ridiculous that we do this sport, professional wrestling, call it sport, call yeah. it entertainment, call it whatever you want. We just want to be able to go do the thing that we love in a place where we can get noticed, where we can rub shoulders with people further down the line, places that actually have scouting. Cause let's face it, we don't have the same scouting here. We just want to be able to do that. And by the laws of the country, we're not allowed to, even though someone like myself who's in Montreal is a lot closer to the performance center than someone who's in uh, San Diego, California, or someone who's in Aberdeen, Washington, or someone who's even, you know, in the Midwest. It's like, this is the ridiculousness of it. And it's about time someone take a stand. I didn't want to have to be that guy, but I'm not scared of the truth. I'm not scared of backlash. I don't need people to jump on the bandwagon with me. I'm a one-man bandwagon, one-man war on his own. So I can take the burden of this on my shoulders. I got enough gumption. I got enough temerity to tank through whatever may stand in my way because the important thing is that we get the message to the people who can make a change. For sure. Wow. 
Awesome. Um, and you said something, and uh, I apologize because I, I don't – I can't recall who you were talking to at the time. But you related that uh, 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 bringing visibility and eyes to the independent wrestling up in Canada, how it, it, it needs to have scouts up there. You, you related it almost to like uh, the hip-hop and the rap scene um, and, and getting noticed and breaking through and, and having it – uh, you know, come to the eyes of, of everybody. And I thought, you know, being uh, the anniversary of, of Biggie today, or not the anniversary of him, but, you know, his passing, uh, I just thought that was a nice little uh, reference that I wanted to bring in because uh, it makes sense. You break the wall down. Uh, no pun intended to Chris Jericho, but uh, getting getting eyes to that Canadian talent. I mean, yeah, I think that you're referencing, I made an appearance on a great show called rap and wrestle. I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, They were kind enough to have me on there. I'm a big fan of hip hop. And uh, even the way that hip hop progressed is very similar to a lot of other industries. You know, we can look at that example if you want, but it took people to change the game. It took people to speak the truth, to bring that reality. It took guys like NWA out West to say, Hey, you got all these guys going out there. They're rapping. You got the sugar Hill gang and all these guys saying they're rap artists but they're not rapping about the reality you know they're rapping about good times partying you know popping 40s and then bling bling and all these things you know everyone's getting jiggy with it when that's not the reality that i live every day that's not the reality that all my brethren here in canada live every day you know we aren't getting the same looks and the same opportunities we have to bite scratch and claw to get maybe even one percent of the same kind of opportunity visibility scouting all those kinds of things. So, you know, we're not getting jiggy with it here. We're not getting those big contracts, even though that's a time where there are more jobs in the wrestling industry than ever before and more opportunities. They're not coming to us. There are few exceptions here and there, but you know, we got a lot of great talent. We got a lot of guys that would open a lot of eyes, blow a lot of minds. The expression I always like to use is we got future main eventers, future champions, future hall of famers that aren't getting to ascend to their where their potential would take them simply because the visibility is not on us. I look at myself, if you want to use the hip-hop reference, yeah. and I say I'm kind of like 50 Cent. Okay. I'm that guy who's going to make so much noise, who's going to diss everybody in sight, yeah. who's going to do this or die trying. Yep. That's pretty much who I am because I know one day – I'm going to just keep at this hustle and eventually my Eminem and my Dr. Dre are going to wake up on the other side of the border and say, Hey, we got to bring this guy over. And trust me, once I get there, I'm going to let them know, uh, like I always say, I'm the run to the litter. There are easily hundreds of other great talents, just as good as me, if not better, that deserve opportunities. So it takes someone to be that person to get through, but to also open the door for everyone else because no one makes it on their own. Um, and if I have to be that guy who has to, you know, Take, take no prisoners, kick ass and take names. I don't mind. My shoulders are big enough to carry the burden and I got enough heart that, you know, nothing is going to stop me. I'm going to keep on fighting. I don't wake up with a smile on my face. I wake up thinking, how am I going to make something happen? How is there going to be change? You know, and thankfully people like you out there are hearing my story and are getting on board and are giving me a forum to reach even more people. And it's just one day at a time, one step forward and tucking my head, making sure that nothing's going to derail me. And if people want to get on board, all the better. If not, I don't care if I got to do it on my own. I will. Wow. And I believe it. I believe you can do it, Vanessa. I do. Um, yeah. I want to I wanna go back a little bit. Um, you know, when you get started – uh, you played hockey. You're up in Canada, so obviously you're a yeah. hockey fan. You played hockey for 15 years. Did you did, did you play other sports? Did you always want to be a wrestler? Was wrestling on in your house? Stuff like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been a wrestling fan, I think, if you want to put a year on it, since like 94. Okay. Uh, first match I ever saw, I always tell everyone, was Bret Hart against Blake Beverly. Got hooked ever since. Never missed a week. Um, you know, followed wrestling in North America, wrestling in other countries. I just love professional wrestling. It's a sport that is on the fringe of so many things. It's, you know, part uh, improv comedy. It's part martial arts. It's part stunt work. It's part, you know, leading actor, uh, Shakespearean Broadway kind of work. Uh, it just fringes on all of those. And yeah, I played a lot of sports in my life, but I've always wanted to be a wrestler. Uh, I look at myself as someone who played sports like hockey, for example, did it for 15 years. Uh, but I was a wrestler playing hockey. I was like, 
emulating the guys I'd see on TV, the guys like The Rock, like Chris Jericho. You know, that was the kind of attitude that I brought to when I played hockey. I played baseball for 16 years. I was a hell of a good baseball player. Personally, I think that uh, instead of wearing these crosses on my fingers, I'd probably be wearing Hall of Fame rings uh, or championship rings, I should say. Uh, But definitely a Hall of Fame ring to go along with it if I did stick to baseball. That's how damn good I was at baseball. But again, I don't want to be braggadocious. Um, I also did track and field. Uh, did a little bit of boxing, uh, but the boxing came later. That was actually to improve my footwork for wrestling. Uh, but yeah, no, always was good at sports, very athletic. Um, but I was a wrestler doing all those sports because I knew that wrestling was where I wanted to be. And, you know, lo and behold, here I am uh, more than just a wrestler right now. I mean, I'm fighting for a cause that's that's bigger than just me. It's, uh, you know, all wrestlers here in Canada. Someone has to lead the way. Someone has to unify the land and make sure that, you know, Canadian voices can finally be heard on a world stage in the world of professional wrestling. Awesome. Um, So you always want to be a wrestler. I, I, you, I found out one of the Rougeau brothers, I think it was Jacques. Uh, at least initially started training you. You said something also um, that I loved. You never stop learning. Uh, and and I, I truly stand by that. You were talking about training. I take it as an everyday life type of gimmick. Never mm-hmm. stop learning. Um, so, so, I mean, how are you still learning uh, in and out of the ring? Like, who do you mm-hmm. learn from today? Learning in professional wrestling comes in many forms. Okay. Some people think you can only learn in ring stuff or ring psychology but when it comes down to it you have so many things that you're in control of in wrestling so some of the best advice i ever got is make sure that the things that you are in control of are at their very best what can you control in wrestling you can control the way you look you can control the way your work looks you can control the way your promo sends. you can control the kind of attitude that you have when you're in a locker room, in or out of the ring. So I try to improve all of those things daily. I'm not someone who gets comfortable. You know, if I'm surrounded by a bunch of people and they're like, oh man, you're looking good, you're looking jacked. Yeah, so what? I'm still going to be in the gym the next day. I'm still going to be, you know, studying different things on fitness and health, uh, that kind of stuff. Like I say, if anyone has ever taken a day off of the gym, then you cannot claim to work harder than me because I don't take any days off. Even though we're under lockdown here, gyms have been closed for a couple of months, I'm still finding a way because that's the wrestler lifestyle because I'm ready yesterday when that big call comes. I don't want to show up and people are going to be like, oh, wow, Jeremy Prophet's looking out of shape. Try and find Jeremy Prophet out of shape. Jeremy Prophet's never been out of shape because I'm a professional. I take it seriously. I work on my mic work, my timing, you know, being able to come up with things that are witty and catchy, being able to absolutely shred anyone who'd be foolish enough to want to set to me on a microphone. And that's something that, you know, I didn't learn that through wrestling. That was, you know, me in everyday life. You, me in elementary school was already cutting promos and cutting people down, bringing them to tears. Uh, that, that's just what I do. And in terms of in-ring, there's so much you can learn. There's so many styles to master. You know, when I first started, uh, I was a sponge. I wanted to learn everything possible. I wanted to be a great technician. I wanted to be a fierce, intimidating, vicious brawler. I wanted to be a great athlete. So that's why when you see a Jeremy Crawford match, you get all of that. And I would say, I'm not going to go here and make any, you know, bragging and boasting, uh, you know, best in the world, whatever people want to call themselves. All I say is this, if you want an appraisal of Jeremy Crawford's skills, see what I do and see all the things that I do well and find anyone that can do the same things, all the same things as me, just as well. You can, you know, watch any program, watch WWE, watch New Japan, watch anywhere. Find someone whose promo ability, whose look, whose in-ring ability in terms of athleticism and downright viciousness and brutality, technical ability, all those things. Find anyone who does all the things I do as proficiently as I do. And that will tell you what my place is in the wrestling world. Watch any show. Come back to me with a name even. I'll be happy to interview that person because I walk through a lot of locker rooms. I meet a lot of talented people. Again, I don't want to sound arrogant, but you know, prove me wrong. Find me that person whose skills match up to mine and they excel in all of those categories. That will tell you what my place is in the world of wrestling. Uh, I don't think it's arrogance. I think it's confidence. And I think there's a big difference there. I think you have you elude confidence it's coming right through this, this zoom screen. I can well, see thank it. you. The problem is we're in an industry where a lot of people fake confidence. Yeah. That's why I'm the harbinger of truth because I'm not a guy whose bark is bigger than his bite. 
I'm not here to sell myself. My work speaks for itself. And to put it into context, like I said, find me somebody. I don't care if the guy is in Omaha, Nebraska. I don't care if the guy is in Mozambique. Find me another guy, male or female. Find me another wrestler whose well-rounded skills are as proficient in every area. Find me a guy who can talk me under the table on the mic, is a better athlete than me in the ring, is more vicious, is more jacked. Find me a guy who is all of those things. I want to meet him. You know, that, that's what it comes down to with me is I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I know how good I am, and that's where the confidence stems from. It's not a case of just being a good salesman. You got to be a salesman, and you got to be a delivery man. You got to deliver the goods once you've talked the people into the building. And that's what it's all about with me. And I think that's why people relate to me because they know I only give them the truth. I will even call myself out on my own shortcomings because that's what a professional does. You got to give the people the truth. They don't want to see someone and hear a bunch of hype and, oh, this guy's so good. And, you know, he's, he's done all these matches everywhere. That doesn't mean anything. You can have someone who has all these credentials and accolades and they can still stink up the joint in front of a set of fans. So, so goodness and being good in wrestling is such a subjective thing. But when it comes down to it, my merits are based on my body of work. And that's something I put effort into every single day. There are no days off for me and I never stop learning because even if I'm good at something, even if I'm great at something, I still want to be better. Do you feel um, maybe some wrestlers today that make it to the quote unquote big time or, or, or top promotions, do you think they become complacent? Absolutely. I think that everything becomes easy when, you know, you're getting a paycheck, you're getting more money than you've ever gotten in the business. Mm -hmm. You can pay your cell phone bill, you can pay your rent, you can pay all those things. And you don't have to go out there and bust your neck anymore because the money comes easy. You know, it, it becomes when you look at someone like, uh, again, I don't need to you know, drop names or anything like that. But if you look at a guy, for example, like The Miz, a lot of people will say a guy like The Miz, well, he's not as hard of a worker as someone like, let's say, uh, you know, Pac in AEW. Yet somehow a guy like Miz, who is not a great worker by any stretch of the imagination, you know, Meltzer ain't giving him right. any five-star matches anytime soon, but the guy's still making a hell of a lot of money doing the same stuff he was doing more or less for the last 10 years when it comes from an in-ring and a promo standpoint. So I can understand that complacency will kick in with a lot of people because the money comes easy. You see people who don't have to push the envelope, who don't have to get better, and your bills are still going to be paid. Everyone starts off as an indie wrestler making next to nothing. Yeah. So once the money starts coming in easy, of course they're going to get complacent. Yeah. It's just like any, it's like any sport, you know, that guy gets – a baseball player gets a big contract. You know, they play their best the last year of their contract. Then they get the big contract the next year. <laughs> Not all of them, but more more than the majority. Um, in, in my case, you know, I think I'm just wired differently. It's just yeah. in my DNA that you just keep working. You know, I'm not going to be satisfied if someone, hey, you know, that was a great match. There. You know, your, your 450 looks amazing. Okay, good. I'm going to push it, and I'm going to still be able to, to do more. Someone tells me, hey, you're looking jacked. Your arms are huge. Okay, that's good. I'm still going to train my arms even harder. You know, you got to be just as and, – and, again, people can take my advice or leave it. I'm not here to advise people. Uh, I'm just saying what I do. And that's that I don't get complacent about things that I'm really good at. I work my strengths just as much as I work my weaknesses. And I always want to get better. I'm always striving to be the best. If I'm on a show and, you know, I'm somewhere where I don't feel I should be in terms of the match that I'm being given, then I'm going to force, I'm going to force the issue. I'm going to make sure that the people leave no room for it to be denied. You know, I just want to be undeniable. And I think the best litmus test of that is the reaction you get from the audience, from the paying customers to give the people what they want and make sure they keep coming back for more. Yes. Um, wrestle, wrestle for the people. Give 110% every time. Um, uh, somebody we had on this show a while ago, uh, great, great man, PCO. Um, <laughs> he's got his, his web series. Uh, he's, he's always fighting someone and you're the villain. Um, in that in that PCO universe, uh, how did that come about? Which you know, it's probably shocking that I'm a villain, considering I'm such a you know nice, humble, down to earth guy. How can anyone hate a face like this? <laughs> but uh, no, with that said, I mean it was really just a coincidence. You know, he invited me for an episode. It was actually a mutual acquaintance that we had that uh, said he needed someone to 
just play a villain. It was going to be just a one-off. Yeah. And I came down and I came prepared. You know, I didn't know what type of character I was going to be, but I said, I'm going to dress to impress. I'm going to, you know, be decked to the nines and uh, showed up looking good. And he said, okay, you know, I think we can do something with you. Uh, we'll make you the main villain. And he also liked, he had always liked my promos. He'd always been very high on me. Um, people think that we go way back because I started with Rougeau. Right. But I only, you know, encountered PCO maybe a handful of times before, um, just before he signed with Ring of Honor. So it would have been up until like 2017 or so. I'd only met him a handful of times, barely spoke to him, always respected him. Uh, but then we got in the ring, we did a couple of matches. He, he saw what I was able to do. Really the best way that you can appraise someone's ability is once you're in there with them. And uh, he took a liking to me and also to the promos that I do. So from there, it was a natural fit that when he saw me in front of the camera and what I exuded, that you know I'd be a good foil to him in the web series, which has unfortunately um, almost reached its end, yeah. but we still have a few pretty cool twists and turns in there. And uh, even though I, I suffered quite a horrible, <laughs> horrendous defeat at the hands of uh, PCO, yeah. I wouldn't say it's the end of me just yet. I'm not going to spoil things for the fans out there, but uh, you, you have not heard the last of Jeremy Prophet, and uh, I always get my revenge. Oh, there's something to look forward to. Um, yeah, PCO is uh, a phenomenal. But is Destro that crazy? Uh, yeah, Destro. What, what you see is what you get. Um, <laughs> he's he's actually the brains behind a lot of the more outlandish stuff that you see in the show. You know, he'll have a crazy idea, and you know, we'll make it happen. In fact, I'll, I'll even go as far as to say, on at least two or three occasions. And, you know, I listen to the feedback from people. I get a lot of messages, fan mail. Um, some of the best verbiage that I've said on at least three occasions in the show have been directly from Destro so that he fed me those lines. And I mean, obviously anything is going to come out of my mouth, you know, it's got to run through my filter. So I say, you know, is this something that I feel I should be saying? And every time that he's come up with a line, there's three occasions, he came up with something and said, you should say this. And it's been a home run with the fans. It's been something that's got turned into a, a meme, uh, a, a piece of cartoon artwork. Uh, and that comes from Destro. So as much as he's a great character in front of the camera, he has a lot of cool contributions behind the scenes, too, in terms of ideas and dialogue. So he's kind of an, an unsung hero of the production. Um, that's awesome. I, I want to talk to Destro one of these times, Vanessa. <laughs> I wonder if he knows how to use Zoom. Um. I got a couple. I got a question in the chat uh, to yeah. talk about your WWE tryout. Um, but first, before I get to that one, um, Impact had like a. I don't know how to describe it. It was called Gut Check, and they yeah. they did a thing. Uh, we had another person that was on Gut Check also um, on the show. Um, you you want to talk a little bit about that because there was something that they mentioned to you in that gut check or that you had talked about before that I was blown away by. So you want to elaborate on that a little? I was going to ask you the same question because there's a lot that I could say about gut check, but I kind of feel like you're maybe referring to uh, what they told me after gut check. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Let's do this. What, what was the experience like? What did resonated most with you about gut check? And then, uh, and then what they said afterwards. Okay. Well, first of all, to put it into context, uh, gut check took place. The one that I did in Plattsburgh, New York. Okay. So it's about a stone's throw from Montreal. Yep. Um, you know, I, I went down to do the tryout. I was just coming off of my tryouts with WWE. I really thought WWE was going to pick me up. Um, I did the Florida tryout. Ace it. Like I always say, if I were able to do it over again, even with everything I've learned now, now being, man, we're like seven years later. Uh, I would not have been able to do as good. It's just the stars, the moon, the sun, the entire universe aligned in my favor, killed it in the promo, killed it in the ring. Uh, literally did the final match of that camp with Jinder Mahal, who I had already previously wrestled. We knew each other, had a great match. I hit him with the 450, one, two, three. Everyone popped. Everyone loved it. He got the contract. Power to him. He's a great talent, uh, a good friend. Um, however, they had told me, you know, we got our eye on you. They pulled me aside. They said, you know, a lot of people are going to get contracts. The talent was there in my end, but politically, 
that end of things, I didn't yeah. keep up with them. I should have been on the phone with them meticulously, reminded them of who I am. But unfortunately, there was a bit of a disconnect between FCW, where I did the tryout, and WWE, the main roster. Yeah. So what ended up happening there kind of got me a little little disgruntled with the company, you could say, because I thought it was a shoe-in. They pretty much told me, you know, you, you impressed all of us. Like, it, it could have just as easily been you getting the contract. Literal words from uh, Steve Kern on the last day. So Impact, you know, business was picking up. And I said, you know, I'd like to weigh my options. I enjoy their television program just as much as I enjoy WWE. So let's give them a shot. Gut check rolled around. I said, no problem. So I went to Plattsburgh, which again, not too far from Montreal, maybe, you know, less than an hour. Uh, literally took me longer to get through the border uh, than it did to actually drive there. No word of a lie. And when I got there, it, it was a very different atmosphere. I mean, I was used to like the way the WWE tryout was. People were a little more uh, professional. Um, I kind of got there and it was uh, in a small venue. It was in like a, like a basketball court, uh, not a very big capacity. The guys in the locker room, I mean, I walked into the locker room, there's guys laughing, there's guys joking. It just seemed really unprofessional. This, these are the guys trying out. This is not the, the TNA roster at the time. Okay. But it seemed just really unprofessional. I'm just like, man, I'm surrounded by a bunch of scrubs here. Like, like this is, not to say it's beneath me, but I'm, it, in terms of the caliber of people there, it's just, it, it seemed like a bunch of rank amateurs. No offense if any of you guys are watching, well, whatever. I wouldn't say anything I wouldn't say to your face. So, yeah, it seemed like a bunch of rank amateurs. Um the only person actually of note that I could tell you was there was Bobby Fish, uh, part of the Undisputed Era. Yep. So he was also there. Uh, and I know this because we got paired up at one point when D'Lo Brown, who was running the tryout, said he wanted people to display some technical wrestling. Um, I actually haven't told the story of the tryout in one of these interviews. I don't think I've told it, but it was interesting because right before everything started, they said, we're going to be filming you guys in promos periodically. And if you go online, I'm sure you have because you brought this up. Seems like you did your homework. Uh, there's a video on there that says, you know, TNA gut check, Plattsburgh, or what gut check is all about. I forget what they worded it. But they speak to four of us in the video. And I'm in it almost in its entirety. I'm like, if, if the video is three minutes long, I think a good two minutes of it is just me talking and ranting, pretty much doing what I'm doing here. Just, yeah. you know, me being me. So I was the first one they filmed and they said, Jeff Jarrett's sitting up there in the bleachers. If he sees something he likes, don't be surprised if he, you know, comes down and has a word with you a little bit later on. They filmed me in a promo and you can see it in the video. All I say is I'm here from Montreal. You know, I've had opportunities, uh, doors closed in my face, but I'm not going to take it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, get through and uh, I'm going to, make an impression on you guys and I'm not taking no for an answer, something to that effect. Yep. Uh, he, Jeremy Boras shot the video, brings it up to Jeff. Jeff sees it. I'm just getting back in line for whatever drill we're doing. I think they're just having everyone do lockups. Uh, Jeff comes down and pulls me aside and he starts talking to me, asking me, he's like, oh, you're here from Canada and like how long you've been a wrestling fan? He's just asking me all these questions. Like, so already, you know, he sees something in me. Um, it was funny because right after that, as they're having all the guys lock up, there were these triplets that were there. Now, I've never seen triplets in wrestling, which is why I remember this. But they had these triplets that were just messing up. Every time they were going through lockups, they were having them you know, lock up with other people and just messing up, messing up. Turned out the triplets had never wrestled a day in their life. They were just backyarders from the area or from wherever they were from. So they got kicked out of the tribe. From there, um, so I already got Jeff liking me. Um, I worked with Bobby Fish a bit, and I always remember because he was like, you know, it's okay. Just follow me and, and it'll be good. And, and now me being me and, you know, I got a bit of a check on my shoulder. I don't know who this guy is. I'm right. like, follow you. I don't know who you are, but, but I doubt you're, you know, uh, who I am in my country. Uh, so, you know, and it was, what made it good was it was kind of like a shoot. Yeah. He had some cool stuff and it's like, okay, cool. He's got some holds and stuff. I don't know. I, now I'm going to show him some stuff that I know. Because I don't look at somebody and just automatically assume, okay, I'm going to follow the leader here. It's like, no, I'm in charge of my destiny. So, you know, you're going you're gonna to remember me once this is done. That's just how I am. So we do that. D'Lo is like, wow, this is some great technical wrestling. Um, later on, they have us do, uh, they had me do more promos. And I talk a bit of trash about WWE. I say, I say a lot of, you know, I drop a lot of truth on them. I'm like, you know, this company, they're putting people to sleep. You know, they say they got the cure for cancer. Looks more like they got the cure for insomnia. You know, I'm dropping my rhymes on them. And, uh, you know, they're, they're taking it all in and loving it. And that was a narrative at the time. You know, TNA was going against WWE on the Mondays. You know, I, I know the audience that I'm playing to. So from there, they start pairing us up for matches. 
and they pair me up with the only woman at the trial. Uh, was a wrestler. I think she was from either Pittsburgh or Cleveland, uh, but I'm thinking it was Pittsburgh, and her name was uh, Brittany Force. Don't know what happened to her now. Maybe she's still wrestling, maybe not. Uh, I got the impression she was a little older than me, so you know, or a lot older than me, so she's probably not in the business, but maybe she is. Y'all can look it up. Um, they pair me up with her, and they make uh, me the baby face, her the heel. And I could kind of see through their plan right away, so I'm like, okay, it's going to be fine. I know what to do. Um, they instructed us at the start saying we have a woman with us, but you got to treat her like one of the boys. So I went in there and like, if you watch my matches, say with someone like Hannibal, like those are really intense matches. Those are rough. So I turned up the intensity like 10 times higher than what it is in those matches to the point where Dilo legitimately said I was contemplating stopping the match. And, you know, on top of that, I'm also thinking there's a bit of a size difference, me and her. She's a little smaller than me. So the bumps that I'm taking, they have to be really dangerous looking. So, you know, it looks like I'm actually selling and making it believable. And once it was done, he praised me in front of everyone. I thought one of the great things they did was they said, we're going to give the feedback in front of everyone. So there's no room for lying. There's no room for people embellishing, saying that, you know, we said certain things that we didn't say. I was the only person. I was the last one that got critiqued. And it was all flying colors. It was, we loved your athleticism. Uh, I had met D'Lo the year before. And he's like, I loved your look back then. I love it even more now. Um, you know, you went in there with this girl. We said, don't treat her like a woman. Treat her like one of the boys. You absolutely did that. You gave a great match. And he said, I definitely think you have a future in this company. And it was funny because at the end of it, some of the guys, like we're all walking back to the locker room to get changed. And there's guys making snide comments. They're like, how come, uh, you know, they said they're going to, give feedback and criticize everyone. You're the only one they didn't criticize. You're the only one they said, they said only good stuff about. Right. And I'm like, well, okay. And how is that? How's that my fault? Yeah. You know, I'm not in their back pocket. I just came in serious. I came in, not like you guys standing around talking about Hulk Hogan and laughing and, uh, you know, smacking each other on the rear end. I came in here looking for a job because I'm serious and I carried myself like a professional and I have tunnel vision. So sorry, you didn't come in here with the right mentality. All that to say Unfortunately, with TNA, and I think this is what you were getting to before, yeah. and I'm going to try not to be too long-winded. I know you probably got some other questions to get to, but I followed up with them many times. D'Lo was gracious enough to allow me to attend several events, just always following up, always showing face. I'd be happy to help set up chairs. I'd be happy to help set up the ring. Uh, you know, the head of the ring crew, Bob Rosen, he absolutely loved me. He works with uh, AEW now. Uh, one of the top ring builders in wrestling. He actually constructed the ring, uh, the first ring that collapsed with uh, Big Show and um, Brock Lesnar years ago. Yeah. And you know, he's the, the genius when it comes to rings. Um, loved me. A lot of their staff loved me. Jeff Jarrett loved me. Unfortunately, Jeff was kind of getting out of power, yeah. and now it was Hogan and Bischoff. They didn't know me from Adam. Right. And so when I would talk to D'Lo, he'd be telling me, I bring your name up. They asked me about guys who did gut check and, you know, I know you did well. I bring your name up, but unfortunately there's just something stopping you. You know, I got people who are in the no pile, the people in the maybe pile, people in the yes pile. You're unfortunately in the maybe pile. So then I start asking, well, what's got me in the maybe what's going to, what's going to change that? Cause I'm watching their show and I'm seeing, they start like doing X division. Uh, they're trying to you know, rejuvenate the X division. I felt I'd be a perfect addition to the X division because a lot of those guys, yeah, they're good athletes. I'm a great athlete, but a lot of them, they don't have the, the verbiage. They don't have the promo ability to engage the viewer, much like your viewers right now watching this. Yeah. So I really felt that I could bring something different and dynamic. And, you know, you put me in there with an Austin Aries, with a low key, with, uh, you know, any of these guys, you know, the match is going to be out of this world. So then I'm seeing like DJ Z, I'm seeing uh, Asriel, you know, these guys getting hired. I'm just like, you know, what do these guys got on me? And so, you know, I brought it to D'Lo point blank. And I just said, is it because I'm Canadian? And I was kind of, I was kind of on the trajectory mentally. of yeah. It's probably that, but I wasn't certain. And I said that, and he's like, yeah, that's pretty much the issue. We don't hire Canadians. Wow. That's, I brought you up, but we don't hire Canadians. And I even said to him, look, is it a money issue? Is it like, I'd be willing to pay for my own work visa. This is something I've always said. I'm always willing to pay for my own work visa. I would do it. If I could throw money at that problem, 
I gladly would. You know, I've, I've been fortunate. I've made some good investments in my life. Uh, you know, I've, you know, secured my own financial security. Yeah. Uh, if I could throw money at the problem, make it go away, I gladly would. But unfortunately, it's a lot more complicated than that because you need a top level company to be able to back you. So for me, it's like, yeah, I know it's going to be three grand, 10 grand, whatever it may be, but it's no different than education. People pay a lot more money to receive higher education. I look at this as wrestling being a higher education for me. I know whatever small investment, you know, 10 grand, whatever it is, is going to be returned tenfold because my ability will justify me getting hired by a bigger company that's going to invest in me. So that's nothing. So I even told him, I said, look, I can get my own work visa. And he's like, well, if that's the case, then that would help put you from one pile, the maybe pile into the yes pile. And there are many precedents of TNA at that time. And not to be confused with today's impact because it's two completely different ownerships. I'm talking about the TNA Dixie Carter, Panda Energy, along with Hogan and Eric Bischoff era of TNA that denied me, in the words of D'Lo, because I'm Canadian. Not Impact, which is now, you know, Scott Demore and Anthem, uh, Don Callis, whoever the other EVPs might be. I'm not hating on that administration. And I'm not even hating on D'Lo because I do believe, one, that D'Lo did go to bat for me because everything he would tell me was positive. And two, I don't believe he would be lying to me and using the excuse that it's because I'm Canadian. Right. Um, and if you don't believe my story, if you look up Alex Silva's story, another person maybe you might want to interview, I'm going to be interviewing him on Jofo in the Ring pretty soon. Uh, his situation was very similar. He got hired from Gut Check. They didn't know he was Canadian. It led to a big delay, big kerfuffle on that end. And then he ultimately had a border issue that resulted in him being released from the company. So there is a history and a precedence of TNA having less than favorable dealings with Canadians, of which I unfortunately happen to be one of them. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think I could have done a lot of good for that company, but that's in the past. But you know, the the the, the stars of war remain. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I do. I think you would have fit right in to the because uh, they were trying to uh, revitalize that X division at that time and that transition. And they were going from you know Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, and trying to bring it back during that uh, Hogan Bischoff. I'd have been happy to give any of those guys a run for their money <laughs> in the ring. For sure, you could too. Um, speaking of Jofo in the podcast, uh, the Jofo podcast. Um, what's let, let us know what's that about? Who's it with? How did it start? Well, Jofo started well before me. Jofo actually started with just regular Jofo, which for those of you who don't know, Jofo stands for uh, just our effing opinion. Uh, oh, that's, a, that's great. Monetization. Just uh, our... In case there's any young kids watching, but I'm, you know, I'm not a guy who likes to swear. I'm probably the most abrasive, like explicit, abrasive person who does not cuss even once because it's easy to do that. Yeah, you, you hit know? us with the I'd truth. Rather, I'd rather, you know, shock people with the truth yeah. than with a swear word here and there. So, you know, you're not going to see me cussing, but it stands for just our effing opinion. Nice. And originally it was just a show um, kind of based around uh, comedians. Okay. And then they decided to expand it to being Jofo in the ring, which was specifically about wrestling. Um, you know, Frank Jofo, huge wrestling fan, the man behind the scenes, uh, Bruno, the executive producer, huge wrestling fan who I know from my days playing hockey. He was on about 10 of those 15 years I played. 10 of those years were spent alongside Batman. And uh, we go way, way, way back. They're, they're huge wrestling fans like me. You know, I'm something of a, of a super fan. It's a side of me that I hid for a long time, but I'm, I am a super duper fan. Like I used to try to go to every pay-per-view event yeah. in a calendar year. So, you know, I'd be going to, you know, Albany, Pittsburgh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, all these places to watch WWE events. This is during the, the mid-2000s. Yeah. Um, going to airports to meet the wrestlers, staying at the same hotels. Uh, I pretty much met the whole roster before I ever had any kind of a tryout. <laughs> and then I'm there rubbing shoulders with these guys. And they're like, oh, yeah, we remember you. We hung out at that bar. We, Oh, yeah, I see you at the airport. I remember you because I would pick all these guys' brains back then. Uh, knowing what I'm doing, knowing that I'm eventually going to be at that level and this is going to pay dividends. It was a, a long-term plan. But also, I am a huge wrestling fan. Nowadays, I see people who just kind of – you know, they're a fan for a minute. Some people don't even like it, but they get such easy exposure uh, wrestling in the right places that doors open for them. Like, I'm a lifelong fan, and that's a lot of what 
upsets me is that there's a lot of people who don't love the business who get opportunities handed to them. And if they fail at that opportunity, there's going to be tons of other ones thrown at them. Um, you know, I don't want to derail, but you know, my agenda is always getting attention on Canadians yep. and it's like a company like WWE, for example, their protocol is to try out people at television and then decide if they're worthy of going to Florida for a week long tryout. And then from there, if they're worthy of being hired. However, we get maybe two shows, two TV tapings a year in Canada, one in the East and one out West. And that's all the opportunity you get. When I wrestled in um, Massachusetts in the New England area, these guys were getting five, six shows uh, a year. Yeah. And that's like, I've had four TV trials in my entire career. Some guys get this in one year and they keep getting brought back. They, they keep going in and, you know, how much do you have to not make an impression that it takes you five, six times and you still haven't, you know, made anyone want to pick up a pen and give you a check mark and say, yeah, we're going to ship you down to Florida and give you a chance. So the opportunities are too easy on the other side of the border, too many. And I think that's why not a lot of people step up and are ready because they know they'll just get another one. Yeah. And that's one of the things that hurts on your side of the border that us here, you know, we would love to have those opportunities, but we don't. So we obviously have to make way more out of it when we do get them, but it speaks to how the system is broken because how are we supposed to be represented equally when they're only coming here to try us out twice a year with TVs? That's it. It's, it's systemic ignorance. They're not even aware of it. The companies they're scouting don't have Canadians in it because we can't go there legally and they themselves are not scouting us while we're here, other than a handful of people that, let's face it, in this day and age, you don't need to be anything special to get an extra, to get a triumph with right. WWE. Yeah. So what's the biggest thing? So, I mean, like, just better scouting? NXT North? What's the what, what's the biggest thing? Yeah, better scouting. I mean, all those companies, they should look at Canada. It's like they've scraped the bottom of the barrel in the United States. Yeah. You know, anytime anyone's got any kind of buzz, they get picked up by a major company. So the A tier of guys are already somewhere. Yeah. The B tier of guys, the next guys, already. Yeah. Now we're down to maybe the C tier, the D tier, whereas Canada, we still have A players. We still have guys who can give a run for the money to guys who are like, you know, U.S. champions, intercontinental champions on TV, making tons of money. We got guys that can outwork them, you know, all day long. You know, you look at a guy like Speedball Mike Bailey. Yeah. He could give a run for his money to anybody in the WWE right now, or in AEW. He's one of the best in the world. It speaks to the top tier of guys that we have here. Guys like, you know, Frankie the Mobster, who we had on tonight's episode of uh, Jofo. You know, guys like myself. Guys like Hannibal. Uh, I could go on and on. We got guys all, all over the country, you know, that, that are outstanding talents, men and women. And, you know, I'm not just going to speak biasly of the people that, that I've been around, but, like, you know, in my area alone, in, in Quebec, Tons of guys that could be on television. Out West, guys like Danny Duggan, guys like Bobby Sharp. Uh, out in the Maritimes, tons of great talent out there. Marcus Burke, uh, Marco Estrada, who wrestles up here as well. Uh, you know, Kobe Christ. Like, there's tons and tons of guys, great talent from Vancouver to St. John's that could be main event players in the wrestling business, but we don't get the scouting. The companies need to wake up, look to Canada, and be willing to help us overcome those border issues because we should not have to go work illegally in the United States just to get noticed. That should not be the norm. Right. And we should not have to accept that companies need, they need someone like, like Jeremy profit to show up at their door, meet with one of their executives and pretty much just spit the truth and be like, why is it this way? Why is it that your company has more people from England and Australia than Canada when we're, minutes away from your headquarters. Yeah. It's just common sense. You know, I'm, yes, I have an education. Yes, I went to college and graduated and all these things, but it doesn't make me special. What makes me special is I see common sense that people in the wrestling business are blind to, and I'm willing to tell the truth, the uncomfortable truth. I'm willing to blaze my own trail to not follow in the footsteps of people who have caused this to go on for this long. That's the problem. Wow, that is some good stuff. I can feel the passion in just whoo. Um, uh, I no, want and just to like go to ahead, go off of that. Yes, just, please. Uh, you were saying like the challenges with the border, and like I just throw out there, like you said, uh, speedball Mike Bailey, like he just came off of a five year ban from traveling into the U.S. So like, yeah. there's that, yeah. and then you have um, with 
the cruiserweight classic tyson dupes was in that he got stopped at the border and he was put on a two-year ban and he was to get signed with nxt wwe so like it just takes that one border officer to be a dick to you and that's it you're done yeah and the thing is it shouldn't have to be that way we should be able to perform in our country get the proper scouting get the companies to sign us not to have this mentality of well you guys need to come here so we can at least see you we can look that is such a huge risk. You mentioned two people there who suffered such a huge setback in their career. Yeah. And people who still have excelled in the wrestling business, not because of what they continue doing in Canada, but because of their past merits in the States. You know, I, again, Tyson Dukes, I've been in the ring with him. Um, you know, I know he's had his ups and downs recently. Hey, I can't be the harbinger of truth if I talk about him. And I don't talk about the fact that, you know, he has, uh, you know, kind of been seen in a bit of a questionable light as of late. Uh, myself personally, I had some good matches with him and he's someone that benefited from performing in the United States, performing in the Cruiserweight Classic, that his stock went through the roof because of that. It's not what he does here in Canada. So even the people who are successful, it's on what they do in the United States, which, as you just described, is something that's super risky. It shouldn't have to be that way. Uh, another thing that I point out, and I've said this to, to many people, um, you know, even people uh, in the WWE presently that I, that I talked to. And it's that a lot of people will say, well, it's just about working harder. It's about being undeniable. And, you know, the internet has no borders. You know, you got to get your name out there. You got to get your matches out there. And I say to them, okay, that's all good and nice. I feel that I'm a pretty undeniable performer. Like I said, you want to know my place in the wrestling business. You want to know my place in this country, find somebody who does all the things that I do as good as I do them. I still want to meet that person, but I digress. Yes, the internet has no borders. Yes, you can put your best match on YouTube. People can watch that and they can appraise your talent. They can tell how good you are as a wrestler, as a talker. They can see what your body looks like. But you know what they can't see? They can't see if you're a good human being. Mm. They can't see if you love the wrestling business. They can't see if you're a good person to have in the locker room. They can't see if you're a rapist. They can't see if you're a thief, if you're a murderer, if you're a bad human being that has bad intentions and can bring a lot of negative to a company. You can't see that on YouTube, no matter how borderless the internet is. And so when there's someone who may have talent, it doesn't matter how talented they are. If there's not someone there to vouch for them, to say, I know this person, I've been around them. I I know what kind of person they are. That is going to hold people back. You have to be able to make those connections with the people in power that can go and open that door for you. And by us not being allowed to legally go wrestle in the United States, the only way we're ever going to get there is if people start scouting here and building those bonds with the talent here to help get them over to over the border and into those companies, because you cannot scrutinize what a human being is like in their soul through a damn video on YouTube. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's great stuff. Um, why were some of your tweets to MLW taken down? Yeah, I'd like to know that too. Uh, I guess you're going to have to ask Court Bauer or whoever handles the MLW account. I'd love to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Vanessa, can you get Court Bauer on on the line, please? We need Contra. Maybe took that down. I don't know. Something. Uh, Contra is that um, is that uh, Joseph there? Is that uh, yeah. Joseph Samaya? Yeah. yeah, him and Fatu. Yeah, I think I I think they took those down. Huh. Well, you know, it's funny because I actually booked him on one of my shows uh, up here in Quebec. I'd say it was around 2011 or so uh, when he was NWA champion. I had him come up here, work one of my shows uh, against Soa Men. They had a hell of a match. Um, I don't think it would be anything personal, but to, to further elaborate on that, I was kind of going after MLW because realistically, they're one of the top companies. People recognize them as being, you know, right around, uh, you know, ring of honor. They're not quite, you know, on a WWE AEW level, but they're around that, you know, third tier, I guess you could say. And so I simply was going after them saying, Hey, you know, it'd be great if you guys had more Canadians, let's add some more Canadians. That's what I could bring to the roster. We could build something good. Next thing you know, I noticed my tweets aren't there, which, you know, I'm not the most social media savvy person when it comes to Twitter and all these things. Although if y'all want to follow me on Twitter, I'd love a follow at Jeremy Prophet. Uh, I do a lot of these interviews, but people are a little shy to follow me. So, you know, if you want to hit me up and uh, follow me on Twitter, shoot me a message and say, hey, I saw you on putting yourself over and decided I'd give you a follow. Shoot me that message. You know, maybe we can start a nice little conversation yeah. and uh, it'll be glad to, I'll be glad to see that, you know, people have 
heard my message. All that to say, uh, I don't know how social media is supposed to work and all these things. I didn't know you can just hide tweets on something. But the message I got back was these tweets have been hidden because the creator feels that they compromise the integrity of the initial message, which the initial message was, hey, we just hired some great international wrestlers or whatnot. And my message was pretty much saying, okay, how about we get some Canadian wrestlers now too? So that's my issue with MLW. I know a lot of people, I see tons of people posting about MLW. I just want to know why is it that they don't have any Canadians? I would love to speak to Cork Bauer. I'd love anyone in a, in a debate. You know, come on here and debate and justify to me why your company has turned a blind eye to Canada, why you don't have Canadians there. Let's talk about those issues. Let's talk about the logistics. Maybe we can come to an understanding and maybe someone on this side can give you the intel that you need to solve a problem that's been ongoing because there's no good reason why you should have no Canadians. There's no good reason why you should have more people represented from other foreign countries, Mexico, Europe, all these places, than Canada. It's one of the reasons why I can't hate on Impact Wrestling, because even though Impact Wrestling, you know, they have a handful of so-so Canadians, you know, Canadians like uh, who've, Canadians who've kind of gotten through, but, you know, not just working the independents and then they pick them up. But they have Canadians, but they also don't have many international talents. So it's not like I can say, hey, Canadians aren't represented there more than any other country or equally to any other country because there's no real international talents there at the moment. And that's probably because of COVID. Yeah. So again, good on them for working with what they have. But when you have other companies, you know, Ring of Honor, MLW, one Canadian in each, you know, Ring of Honor and MLW, they're on TV here in Canada. I get their shows. You can watch MLW on BN Sport there. I gave you guys a free plug. Good for you. You know, you can watch... Ring of Honor on the Fight Network that I absolutely love, where you can see this handsome face on there as well, on IWS Wrestling. There, I just plugged everyone, connected all the dots for y'all. You You know, they have television here, so why not get more Canadian representation? That's what we need, and there's a lot of great talents. Hell, you know, Canadian talents could be the difference maker that take one of those companies from, let's say, a third or fourth place and catapult them into second, maybe even first in the long haul. You know, that's why I feel MLW, why are you guys going to diss me like that? And and why are you going to insult the entire country that should be represented in your international wrestling production that you put on? That's my issue with MLW. I would love for them to answer it, but unfortunately I'm probably not high enough on the the totem pole for them to take the time to do that. Well, a company like ring of honor and MLW, their, their shows like ring of honors, you know, I watch it on their website, on the internet, MLW. I watch on YouTube that has no borders. So why not bring some, some Canadians in more than they got. I'm not saying we should dominate those companies, but to me, it's like you have a bunch of guys from Australia, you have a bunch of guys from uh, England, the UK, Europe, all the places. Hell, you know, Ring of Honor, Baltimore, Maryland, that's that's five hours down the road from from me, you know, probably a lot closer to a lot of other places in Canada. Why don't we have more Canadians there? Why? Why is there only one? it's gone on for too long and it needs to be changed, but don't worry. I mean, I'm, I'm taking the fight to all these places. And, you know, even if I have to go and show up myself, uh, I'm pretty good at getting an audience. I'm pretty good at pretty much doing what I want uh, and getting what I want. So that's something that is going to, it's a question that's going to be answered sooner rather than later. And I think that the smart thing is that they just decide, Hey, you know what? We'll give Canadians equal representation uh, at the very least. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll put in a division to actually scout Canada. So people can refer people to us to get us great talent, great Canadian talent that, you know, should be in better places, man. This struggle is every day. Like I said, you know, you get a lot of guys who probably go on these podcasts and they're all, you know, you know, smiles and sunshine and rainbows. That's not me, man, because I got to live with the hardship of what we go through all the time. And I compare it to like the Negro Leagues in baseball, where baseball was a white man's sport. You know, take it from a guy who's got a white parent and who's got a black parent. Okay, you know, I see the full spectrum of all of this. Baseball was a white man's sport until people think it was Jackie Robinson was the first guy, colored player to actually make it into baseball. He actually wasn't. There were two before him, one who was uh, not openly black and the other one who was the first openly black player who both kind of had a cup of coffee in baseball. Y'all can look it up if you don't believe me. But these were exceptions to the rules. So when companies want to say, oh, well, we have Canadians, we have other people. These are Canadians who made it on what they did in the United States because they generated buzz out of the border. And you have other ones who maybe married an American, got a kind of a citizenship. 
These are exceptions. The floodgates were not open. We are still looking for that Jackie Robinson who's going to make people say, you know what? Yeah, it costs a little bit more to get a Canadian. Yeah, it's going to be a lot more paperwork. It's a lot of headaches. But you know what? They're damn good. They're worth the investment because they can be a top player in our company. We don't care about, just like in the Negro Leagues, it was, you know, we don't care about the color. We care about making money. That's why Jackie Robinson and everyone after him of color was able to get through. I think Canadians are exactly the same. It's the exact same situation. We can make those companies a ton of money. We can be those future main eventers, champions, Hall of Famers. We just need that opportunity. We need someone to say, who cares if they're Canadian? Let's give them a shot. And again, you know, there'll be the, the, the deniers who will say, well, you just have to work hard. You just have to work hard. Well, let's face it. When people were emancipated, black people were emancipated. Yeah, they had all the same opportunities, but the system itself was rigged against them. And you weren't able to get higher jobs and, you know, all these things because they had traditionally been only for white folk. Now it's like Canadians are not represented. We have, yeah, we have opportunities in front of us. Any Canadian could get hired, but the system is ignorant to the fact that Canadians have these obstacles and that we are not at all on the same level playing field. It's not about just putting in the work and getting noticed. That doesn't happen in Canada. And it's something that needs to change. If I can be that Jackie Robinson, yeah, I damn well would want to be. But, you know, it doesn't have to be me. It could be anyone here that sets the precedence that Canada should be equally represented to these other countries. And I ain't going to rest until it happens. I don't care if I have to go to my grave. I don't care if I die trying. As long as there's breath in my lungs, this is going to be what I talk about. And it's going to reach the right people. I know what the history books will say when this is all said and done. People want to go against this. That's fine. You want to find yourself on the wrong end of history. Good for you. People will remember for a long time. But at the end of this, I want people to remember that I fought for these people here in Canada, for my fellow wrestlers. And I don't care if you don't like me. It's not about the messenger. It's about the message that this has gone on for too long and it needs to change. I love it. I love the passion and I love uh, the dedication and uh, it's, it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Like you said, you're, or, or die trying. Um, yeah. We're, we're nearing the end of the show. It's been phenomenal. I feel like we could go. It is inspiring. Says Joe foe in the ring. Uh, it is, it's very inspiring. And, um, uh, people like you, people like Vanessa have opened my personal eyes up to independent, not only independent wrestling, but Canadian wrestling. I, I didn't really watch independent wrestling before the pandemic <laughs> and now I do. So, um, but we are nearing the end of the show. And something I like to do at the end of every show is I'm now going to give you the mic, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> let us know, put over whatever you want, bury whatever you want. I, I, do whatever you want. The floor is yours. I will not interrupt. Well, I feel I kind of actually talked maybe more than you in this episode, which has a tendency of happening with That's me. That's okay to up. me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people say I make the interviews easy for them because they just got to sit back yeah. and, you know, watch me rant. But like I said, it's something that's close to my heart. I live with this every single day. And, you know, I don't care what the, the viewership is, the subscribers, whatever it may be. Anyone who's given me a platform and an opportunity to express myself, I appreciate very much from the bottom of my heart because I know that the domino effect will continue and continue and eventually the message will get to the right people's ears. And the more you want to come along with me for the journey, the better. Because like I said, the history books will remember things for a very, very long time. So you don't want to find yourself on the wrong end of history once it's all said and done. But know that if you get behind me, you're getting behind something that is going to be game-changing, monumentous, and is going to be cemented in history, win, lose, or draw. With that said, uh, you want to follow me I'd love for you all to follow me on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeremy Prophet. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. And you can also follow me on Instagram at The Real Jeremy Prophet. And you can see me every week, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. on JoFo in the Ring. If you want a show that's exciting, if you want a show that's insightful, if you want a show that always promises to bring the unbiased truth, even though at the end of the day, it's just our effing opinion. <laughs> it's a show that I pride myself on as a man with a journalism degree to make sure that we give you the unbiased truth that you're not going to hear anywhere else, even the uncomfortable truth. But that's why I'm the harbinger of truth, because I don't mind talking about the harsh realities of the world that we live in. Um, with that said, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm just a guy who's very passionate about professional wrestling, love this business and uh, want to do the most with what I'm given. 
you know, there are a lot of people here in Canada. They got a lot of fans. They got a lot of followers. But fact is, fans and followers don't necessarily mean that that person is always speaking gospel and that that person has a good understanding of common sense. So I can always promise you that even though I don't have the biggest army behind me, I'm always going to speak common sense. I'm not going to insult your intelligence. And I'm going to shake up this industry one way or another, and I will not be denied. You know, anytime you see Jeremy Prophet on screen, no, you're not seeing some typical struggling independent wrestler. You're seeing someone who's made it in his heart and mind and is just looking for that bigger stage and bright enough spotlights to showcase my talent to the world. I'm probably the greatest wrestler that you've never heard of. And believe me, you want to hear about me now. I'm like a, like a good stock investment that's going to pay huge dividends years down the line. It's already starting to pay out right now. And more than anything, I'm a fighter. Yeah. So know that, like I said, until my last breath, I'm going to fight to not only help my own career, but to help those of all of us who are struggling here in Canada. So whether you're in Canada, whether you're in the United States, whether you're anywhere in the world, let's face it, I'm proud to be a Canadian. I'm also proud to be an American. And I always say, God bless America, because we're here in North America. We're all Americans, even if we're not from the United States portion of it. So I always like to say, God bless America. We are all Americans. We should all have the ability to enjoy this sport, professional wrestling, to the fullest, without restrictions, without borders. And I am so thankful as a human being to get to interact with people like yourself and Vanessa who love this wrestling business. It's why I love doing podcasts because let's face it, where I grew up, the only people who were wrestling fans were the guys I do the Joko podcast (laughs) with now. So this opens up a whole world of exciting possibilities to get to exchange with other wrestling fans. And I'm proud to say that I'm a fan at heart and I want to make sure that the fans watching get the same thing out of my performance spoken or in ring that I did when I was watching wrestling, when I was that same person who hadn't yet made the jump into the business. So I hope that I haven't been too long winded. I hope that you've been entertained. I hope that you've been enlightened. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for giving me this time and opportunity. And I want to just say that uh, if I could do it all over again, I would be happy to. So anytime you want me back, I'll be here. Awesome. Well said. Uh, yes, the door. You're you're a friend of the show now, man. You need to come on anytime, right, Vanessa? You can be on anytime. Yeah, you know how to get in contact with me. Yeah, for sure. Um, have a great night, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on. Uh, it's been it's been an honor. It was really inspiring. So thank you. Well, thank you as well. And uh, like I said, look forward to doing it again. Yeah. And uh, I hope you guys have a great night. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome stuff. That was good stuff, Vanessa. Thanks. Whew. We should have. That was that was good, man. That's my new favorite wrestler. Woo! Whew. I mean, how I good? Thanks, Tristan Law, for uh, you know giving us the. The kip up on that one. Yeah. Shout out to him. Holy man. That like, was I feel like good. I like I am like an advocate for Canadian wrestling. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not that I am like I'm a drop in the <laughs>